What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Pavalli, coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome-times-awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, training to run five to seven ultra-marathons a year, co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Um... Before we get started, I just want to remind, implore, beg, and plead everyone to continue rating, reviewing, subscribing to us on iTunes. You probably get sick of hearing it, particularly for the people who've already done all of this, but that's the best way to let us know that you're listening, for us to see that the pod is growing. If you've already done it, we very much encourage you to recommend us to people who need more crappy basketball takes in their lives, but also some not-so-crappy basketball takes, most of which come from my co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. So please continue doing that, and you can also find us wherever else you consume your podcasts, including Spotify. Today, we're going to do some hypothetical trades. Um, I came up with a bunch that Andy uh, is probably itching to crap all over at the moment, the trigger for this isn't necessarily to be bold. It's just that there seems to kind of be a lot of unresolved situations. You look at what's going on with the Cavs in Cleveland where Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith seem like surefire candidates as as well as George Hill. They're also buyout candidates, but Washington is is a mess as we record this. Just absolute uh, dog poop. And the every they're not going to trade John Wall, at least in my opinion. I think Andy agrees that contract that has not kicked in yet is bad, but the Otto Porter, uh, Bradley Beal situations, we we came up with some moves that would relocate them to different teams. We have Jimmy Butler scenarios, I think many of which haven't really been talked about. So um, a lot of these ideas might be bad, but we're, we're going to throw them out to you anyway, so you can let us know what you think. Um, but, but I'm excited. I love hypothetical trades. I know some people hate them, but I love coming up with hypothetical trades. I don't know about you, Bales. I did once upon a time, like, I don't know, three or four years ago. I just don't feel like I'm that great at it anymore. I think you are very good. And if people don't know, it's it should be like basically part of your job description because I feel like Bleacher Report asks you to do this every other week at least. Um, but Fun fact, <laughs> I have not done it for Bleacher Report since the regular season ended. Wow. I'm surprised they haven't thrown that at you yet. Um, I'm sure they will. Maybe that means you're due for some kind of a regression and they're going to have you do like five in one week. I think they were just mad when I proposed the the Kevin Durant for Tim Hardaway Jr. deal. (laughs) Post-December, of course. Understandably, yeah. Um, The actual trade packages for deals that do get done are just like, they've been so unpredictable the last few years that um, I feel like it's harder to come up with realistic proposals that everybody else that sees them thinks will be realistic and but I, I do think that you are one of the best in the game at this um 
I'm blushing right now. <laughs> so I'm excited to uh, move through some of these trades that you have uh, put together on this beautiful little Google sheet that we're looking at. The interesting thing about trades now is it seems like it's almost become easier to predict where a player is going to sign in free agency than, yeah. you know, exact trade packages are obviously always difficult, but it, it constantly seems like even the most talked about players end up going to a dark horse or end up going for a package that wasn't really heard about. Uh, even Kawhi Leonard, I know there were a ton of rumblings that Toronto was involved and it could happen, but I don't think anyone kind of saw that package. They would have, if you would have said, yes, DeMar DeRozan is definitely going to be included, but I think you would have thought that Pascal Siakam would have been in there instead of Jakob Pertl. Maybe you think that the pick is unprotected that they got. And I don't think that Toronto was billed as the favorite at all heading into or even during the middle of the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes. And that just seems to happen a bunch. Yeah, they kind of came out of nowhere. Um, didn't the Pelicans kind of come out of nowhere for DeMarcus Cousins too? Yeah. The, I, do you remember watching the All-Star game and just having that trade materialize in 2017? Yeah. It was crazy. Um, and the, the, the Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves kind of came out of nowhere too. I mean, it's, it's sort of a standard operating procedure at this point. So I wouldn't be shocked if somebody comes out of nowhere and trumps the heat and the, um, I'm blanking on the other team, the Rockets to get Jimmy Butler. Well, I have, I think I came up with two offbeat teams. For Jimmy Butler, but I'm going to throw this one I did not put in the Google document because I told you before we started, it was like 2.30 in the morning my time. I couldn't fall asleep um, last night, and I don't know why I was thinking about how the Rockets could get Jimmy Butler. So I kind of wanted to run this three-team deal by you for Houston. So you have Houston getting Jimmy Butler. Okay. You you have Atlanta getting uh, Marquise Chris and Brandon Knight. And then you have Minnesota getting Kent Bazemore, Justin Anderson, who's yet to play this season as he recovers from leg surgery and he's on the last year of his deal. And then they get the combination of four first-round picks that Houston was talking about. And my my reasoning there was this seems to come closest um, to sort of balancing the present with the future for the Timberwolves. And I don't know if Atlanta would give pushback over giving Justin Anderson up but he seems like a fair price to pay to get off of that final year and $19.3 million of Kent Bazemore's deal. Um, and at the same time for Minnesota is that you have more of this complimentary player, uh, secondary playmaker, can shoot the three ball, better off the dribble, again, at setting up teammates. I think he's always been underrated there. Probably overrated at the defensive end, but you're at least getting two wings. He's going to be cheaper than Jimmy Butler. His contract ends just when Jeff Teague is ending. Maybe you can set it up where Taj Gibson's on a one-year deal, um, and you kind of move from there once him and Teague start to come off the books, and you only have a year left of Gorgie Jang. And I just found it, the more I thought about it, the more I found it really interesting. It's because they're still getting all those first-round picks, um, and yet they're getting a guy who can play immediately in Kent Bazemore, and I don't really, and maybe Atlanta feels this way too at this point, but I don't. his deal doesn't really scare me at all. $19.3 million for Kent Bazemore is not something that I'm really going to to sniff at. And I I think we both were a little bit surprised that the Mavericks elected to give up a first-round pick in the deal for Luka Doncic rather than flip Wesley Matthews for Kent Bazemore's deal. Can I be completely honest with you? 
Yeah. I love this trade. Do you actually, though? I know it's I, early. You can okay. feel free to hurt my feelings. No, this um, – man, I, I think it's uh, borderline brilliant. The The Rockets are giving up the same package that they were rumored to be offering like a week ago, right? Yeah, I think it, it sounds it like sort – of, Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you found the perfect third team to rearrange it and give Thibodeau what he wants, give Glenn Taylor what he wants, and still have it make sense for the other two teams involved. Kent Bazemore has been pretty pretty good for the Hawks for the last couple of years. He's a great like third or fourth guy, I think, for the Timberwolves. And uh, while he has been good for the Hawks, I, there's it doesn't really make sense um, for, as a long term play for them. He's already in his age twenty nine season. He makes a lot more sense for the Timberwolves than he does for the rebuilding Hawks. Um, his three-point percentage is down this year. He's below 33%, but he's averaging 15 points. Um, still has an effective field goal percentage that's well over 50. So, I mean, he's... I think it's a career high this year, too, probably because he's hitting 60% of his two-pointers, but still. Yeah. And that, that'll that probably regress, but his three-point percentage will probably come up, too. Um, right around 57 true shooting. He would. I, I think he would work very, very well in Minnesota. I love this deal. You're one for one. I think... Um... If who would be the team most likely to say no, the Rockets, if they're really going to give up, like this is the package that they want to give up. Yeah, they've already offered this, so we could probably take them off the table for this question. I might even say it would be, I mean, I think it'd be easy to say Minnesota just because they're the ones giving up Jimmy Butler and maybe they don't view Kent Bazemore in the same light as we do. But I'm almost more hesitant for Atlanta. Would they give pushback about giving up Justin Anderson? It didn't seem like. They were really acquiring him as an asset as so much. It was just part of that deal that got them mellow, got rid of Schroeder. I don't know how much value Justin Anderson has at this point. I don't think that's something they should uh, like quibble over. And if I'm the Timberwolves, I think I would still do the deal without him in it. I was just trying to get them, you know, now you have another wing who might be able to play defense for you once he's healthy. Yeah. He had a – I think he had a fairly encouraging rookie season. But since then, he's um, – I don't know. He's been almost non-existent over the last couple seasons. That sounds pretty harsh, but um, I don't think he should make or break this deal for the Hawks. I would say the most likely team to say no is probably still the Timberwolves and not because it's a bad package, but (laughs) because I still think there's going to be a lot of stubbornness and pushback from Tom Thibodeau, regardless of how good the offer is. Um, But I, I think this makes a ton of sense. This answers one concern that they had about that crazy offer that came out that Houston gave like a week or two ago, whatever it was at this point. Right. I mean, if you're Glenn Taylor, I think you might like this package better. Unless you're trying to sell the team, in which case I don't really know what he'd want, but you might like this package better than the Heat package, which would probably still be more appealing to Tom Thibodeau. And it's not like this package that you laid out like cripples them cap space wise because they've they've already crippled themselves with the Wiggins and you have to I think you have to give Towns the contract that he has but between him and Wiggins they're they're pretty much tapped out uh flexibility wise anyway yeah I mean and you're I think you add a slight bit of salary for this season it might even be dead even but you're still under the tax they have like a 1.1 or 1.3 million dollar cushion is what I have them as in my salary cap sheets um, but I, I like it. It's the it's my favorite. I think 
just to see Houston get Jimmy Butler and maybe give the Warriors a run for their money and, and fix whatever the hell is going on in there, by the way. I know they've dealt with injuries and suspensions, but still. Uh, Wouldn't it be interesting if they got Jimmy Butler and it just exacerbated everything? I'd be here for it. <laughs> just a complete implosion. Um that wouldn't shock me based on the first couple weeks of this season. I have two more Jimmy Butler trades, though, from teams that have not directly been involved in the rumored bidding. Um, do you want to see him go to the Eastern Conference or stay in the West? Um, I would love to see him go to the East. So I the I have the Wizards as a destination. I feel like this one should have been a pretty obvious uh, locale at this point. The deal, like, just because Washington needs to do something, it just yeah. it seems like their their core is kind of stale. That's been said before, and to, to start off this poorly, uh, if you're the Wolves, would you do Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, the Wizards 2019 first, and I would probably put Lotto protection on it, and then the Wizards would get Jimmy Butler, Justin Patton. And Tyus Jones, who is just never going to play himself out of the shadow of Derrick Rose now. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> My my drawbacks for this trade is Otto Porter's not shooting the ball well to start the year. But he's a complimentary player who isn't going to uh, butt heads with the styles of Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. At least I don't think he would. He does seem like he's pretty uh, PO'd in, in Washington about the number of shots he's getting. The Wolves, however, do take. There's other stuff you can do permutations with this, where the Wolves actually shed salary. And if you're the Wizards, I would absolutely do that. But they're taking on 2.6 million in this proposal. Um, as, so if you want to give them an extra player, there's maybe Washington be willing to give Thomas Sadoransky up. Um, or no, it have to go. The, they have to send out salary, which is really difficult because they don't have a lot of like, you know, the salaries in that four million dollar range that would really help a lot of these deals. They can eventually trade Anthony Tolliver, but he's been he's been really good for them, shooting the ball really well from three. Uh, there would still be things they could do by the end of the season to get under the luxury tax. I have no doubt in my mind. But you could even, there are permutations of this deal to where they could finish under the luxury tax as well. Would you, who says no to that one? I like this one too. Um, my, my, I guess... The Wolves would say no, but I I, I like it for both teams. Um, again, this this is like an interesting cap move for the Wolves because this puts them in similar like sort of cap hell that the the Wizards are in. The difference, of course, being Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins are quite a bit younger than John Wall and Bradley Beal, um, and I think if if Tom Thibodeau's goal is to stay competitive, then this is a, this is definitely a winner for him. Um, you get a first round pick too. So, you know, hopefully that satisfies Glenn Taylor to some degree. The thing about it for the wizards, um, if it, if it doesn't go well, and this is another situation I could see just being a powder keg with him and John wall and Dwight Howard, uh, all in the same locker room. I, I could see that becoming very volatile very fast. But if that is the case, uh, he's a free agent this summer. And now your you're just crazy cap situation looks a lot better uh, if it's just <laughs> Beal and Wall and, as opposed to Beal, Wall, and Porter. I mean, their hands are so tightly tied right now. They, Like you said, they have to do something because they have no flexibility going forward over the next few years. And this 
this team as currently constituted is it's a mess. I think you already used that word earlier and it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, there's plenty of talent on this team. It just, it's been together too long. I think is part of the problem. Um, I think when wall and Beal and Porter first came together, it almost felt like this perfect fit. They all did slightly different things. Um, and maybe it is still like a decent basketball fit, but the chemistry wise, uh, and the off court stuff, it's just, it's not working. Um, and I think situations get stale quicker nowadays than they did a few years ago. So they are definitely due for a shakeup. I'm not, would they even keep Jimmy Butler if, if things did go mildly well after they got him? I mean, I think you kind of have to, because then, and this is, the problem with this deal, then you've given up Ubre and, and a first, let's say, just to get off Otto Porter's contract, and you would have to view him as a pretty big negative to be okay with that. At the same time, yeah. you can't pay Ubre right now if he continues to have a good season. Keeping his core together and having to pay Ubre uh, doesn't seem like they want to pay Sadaransky. Uh, Austin Rivers has really eaten into his playing time. It's, I mean, as crazy as that sentence is. Yeah, and it's just, it's just, it's basic, it's shaking things up in a big way. And Jimmy Butler's more ball dominant than Otto Porter, which is a dangerous cocktail with for sure. Beal and, and John Wall. But they need to do something. And he's their path to getting more, to getting, a, I don't want to say an elite defense, but something close to it. And, you know, if you're going to be prepared to pay him, um, then you've chosen to pay Jimmy Butler instead of Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre Jr. And I think that's probably a no brainer. You still have his bird rights. I don't know if you would still go as, as high as that five-year deal, but maybe it's a four-year deal in which case he's coming off the books when John Wall comes off the books and let's just ride this out and, and see it through. But I would give it strong consideration if if I were them. I, I think both teams would have to give that strong consideration as well. Riding that out for for three or four years, whatever it is, could be really painful, though. I mean, those two guys might hate each other. They could also love each other. I don't know. Um, but this is another one I think you're two for two now that makes sense for both teams. The last Jimmy Butler trade I have goes a little off the rails. Um, but yes, what? What was that? I said, yes, please. Um, the tip. So the the Thunder get Jimmy Butler. Justin Patton, and I have this deal happening after December um, because there are two Is this one involved. What's this that? one's not on the sheet either, right? Oh, uh, no, it's at the very bottom. It was okay. the last one I came up with. So oh, I got it. The Thunder get Jimmy Butler, Justin Patton, and then eventually Luel Dang, who I think everyone is surprised is not averaging 50 minutes a game in Minnesota <laughs> right now. And then the Timberwolves get Andre Robertson, Jeremy Grant, who also signed a new deal, and part of the reason why this won't happen wouldn't happen until mid December. Hamadou Diallo and Terrence Ferguson. Um, the the logic for the Timberwolves is that Jeremy Grant is one of the guys in the NBA that can just legitimately defend all five positions, um, and he just toes that line between a wing and a big. If Andre Robertson's healthy, you have another All NBA defender on your books. And then the Thunder just can't give up first round picks. They could, but they shouldn't because they owe one in 2020 uh, to Orlando and then one in 2022 to Atlanta. And so you're getting Hamadou Diallo, who's actually played for them and has looked pretty good at points. 
and then Terrence Ferguson, just these two wing prospects who are on cheapo deals. And maybe you can talk yourself into together them being a, a first round prospect. I know Ferguson is actually a first round prospect, but maybe together you look at them as just that one asset. And if you're interested in competing now without getting super old or taking on huge money, um, Robertson and, and Grant would be just two interesting pieces to have. Grant will have two more years left on his deal after this, and, and Robertson will will have one. It's You would have to want to keep those guys, particularly Robertson, long-term. But I don't – probably my, my least favorite, or maybe it seems like the Wolves are getting the least in this deal, but I actually do like this return for Minnesota. And then for Oklahoma City, it's just we're loading up on star power. And I know it's weird already because of Schroeder, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. I say screw it and, you know, go. let's bring in Jimmy Butler and let's see how this goes. Um, I kind of like this one, too. I um, How much does Taj Gibson have left on his deal? Just a year. So he's expiring? Yes. Because Jeremy Grant is kind of a nice uh, heir apparent to that position for Taj Gibson. Andre Roberson can cover for a lot of the – defensive uh issues that carl anthony towns and andrew wiggins have kind of like he has in okc for the last couple of years i i think he's a really nice uh compliment to andrew wiggins on the wing and then like you said you kind of get like two shots at a decent prospect with diallo and ferguson if one of those guys hits you've done well there and then they have they have kind of an interesting mix of young wings and, and if you can get one or two to hit out of diallo ferguson uh a kogi who who to me looks like he might already be a hit and k debates job um you've <laughs> i think that's good uh you, you've got a little bit of win now you've got a little bit of eye towards the future um those four young guys i just mentioned make sense for the coming positionless revolution um so yeah, that one makes a lot of sense to me. And then for the Thunder, <laughs> you've got hashtag why not in your notes on that trade, and I like that. Um, another, I, I don't think I'm going to have a single team where Jimmy Butler's going there, and I'm not going to be worried about potential chemistry issues. <laughs> <laughs> so that's certainly a consideration with him and Russell Westbrook and Dennis Schroeder and uh, Paul George might somehow be like the least volatile personality in that situation but uh that's a ton of star power like you said and if they're clicking and jimmy butler and paul george are starting on the wings that that defense is nightmarish um and if they're willing to do like some funky stuff with the lineups and you have a westbrook shooter backcourt and then you have butler and george at the forward positions um that's those are super interesting lineups to me too I, I like this deal. I, I think you're uh, you are on your game right now. I like all these. And if Minnesota really wants, I don't know why they'd want TLC as an expiring contract, but they could also. And if I'm the Thunder, I'd probably draw the line at giving up Patrick Patterson in this deal, um, unless you're subbing him in for somebody, of course. But they could, you know, they could fit salary wise. The Minnesota could also be like, hey, we want Patrick Patterson or Alex Abrinas. Uh, Brinus has not shot the ball well to start this year, but if if they're just trying to get again, it's because you're not getting a future first round pick, which I would assume has probably been mandated that they need. I would guess, but I, yeah. really, who knows? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a requirement too. But I, 
I think this is probably about as close as you can get to a first round pick without having one. I, I do think there is a lot of value to having those four young guys who are like wing slash forwards. And if you can get one or two of those to hit, um, that certainly helps. This deal is one I proposed to you um, in a text message yesterday after J.R. Smith said he wanted out of Cleveland. And as many have pointed out, because his deal was signed before the start of the new CBA, uh, it could technically behoove the Cavs to move him this summer since his salary will count for the full amount rather than just what he's guaranteed, which is roughly $3.9 million, I believe. But he wants out of Cleveland. Cleveland doesn't want him. Uh, If you're the Knicks... Would you do Tim Hardaway Jr. straight up for J.R. Smith? And the thinking here is that you go from owing Tim Hardaway Jr. eighteen point two million next year to being able to pay J.R. Smith three point nine million, and maybe you get more of that back in a buyout that you broker this season. So you're saving essentially fourteen point three million dollars as part of this deal. If you are, however, the Cavaliers, and and let's say you're sort of you're punting on this season already. Do you want to pay Tim Hardaway Jr. two years and $37.1 million? If he's playing like the way he is now, trying on defense, hitting, um, I showed you this yesterday, he's, I think, fourth in the league in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jumpers among everyone who's averaging at least four per game. Uh, averaging a career high in assists, I believe. I actually haven't checked that in a couple of days, but I do believe it's a career high. So... If you're not planning on trading Kevin Love next year and you do want to continue to go after the eight seed, maybe he's someone that you can talk yourself into there. I I think this is more interesting. Maybe you get a ton of pushback from the cast, but I'd imagine you get more pushback from Knicks fans. And I actually don't think that they're the party that should say no to this. Yeah, I think it would. I think the team that's probably more likely to say no is the Cavs. Um for, you know, sort of flexibility reasons, like you've already laid out. I, How much cap space would they have next summer um, if they did a deal like this? Who's like, that? Does this give them a, the Knicks? Does this give them a max slot plus a little bit more, or, or where would they be? So I haven't – I've I've experimented with a sheet to see what it would take for the Knicks to get close to um, – two max slots um, and one of them being with Kevin Durant and then the other being a um, like a Kawhi Leonard type slot. And if they, you know, if you're getting rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. as part of this deal and you're giving J.R. Smith $3.9 million to go away and you're waiving Lance Thomas, who has a 1 million guarantee uh, and you're really just exhausting all of your resources at that point, you can probably get to a point where you're at $60 million in cap space, which isn't enough to sign. This is with Porzingis' hold. It's it's not enough to sign um, two stars unless Kevin Durant's taking a pay cut, which I don't really see him doing uh, to come to New York. Or if if another star would be taking a pay cut, you know, $30 million each sounds like a lot, but Kevin Durant's eligible for $38.2 million salary. But you would still have money left over to then go out and get another guy to play with. Kevin Durant. Um, maybe you want that guy to be Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't. I don't think he should be personally. But you, you can get a ton of cap space that way. And if, of course, if you traded a Frank Nealakina, now all of a sudden you're talking about getting a 65 million in cap space, and maybe it becomes more doable. But I, if I'm them, I wouldn't want to move him either. And you would have to get rid of Courtney Lee as well. That would be the other um, sort of 
that's the other that's like the other machination of this too didn't somebody suggest on twitter jr smith for courtney lee yeah and i think that's a good and especially if with lee dealing with his neck injury i don't know that a team would just absorb him but to give up i to take on i mean it saves you if you really think that Courtney Lee is not healthy, it's going to save you about nine million bucks in cap room next year. And again, maybe more if J.R. Smith is going to give some of that back in a buyout this season. I just, for some <laughs> reason, it, the, the return just doesn't seem good enough there because you're already going to get. I mean, no, I mean if that's what you want to do, but I don't know why the Cavs would really even want Courtney Lee. You probably have to if like Tim Hardaway Jr. turns twenty seven in March. If they want to be relevant after this season, um you can talk yourself into him. There's the way yeah. he's playing right now specifically. I'm not saying they should. And I agree with you. The Cavs would be more likely to say no, but I think that the Knicks, Knicks fans would give a ton of pushback to this, which I don't think they should. Uh, I wouldn't want to have to include if I'm the Knicks, a sweetener just to get off Courtney Lee's salary. And the Cavaliers don't seem like a team that would really need his salary on the books for next season. How much is he on the books for next season? Courtney Lee's about 12.8 million. And that's his last year. Yep. And then how much cap space would the Knicks have if it was the Courtney Lee deal? That if that would really get them to their max room, basically. They might be able to do some things where they keep Thomas and still open max room for for Kevin Durant, which would be a pretty big deal for them. I think if you got rid of if you replace Lee's salary with JR's right now, and I'm just really doing this eyeballing it, you're getting thirty seven million. Um and that's I have them with the number three pick cap hold in there just to hope to either overestimate or maybe that's where they end up being could be an underestimation if they can, but uh, probably about 35 million then. So you're still a little bit short. If you waive Lance Thomas, of course you get there, but there would be um, other stuff that you could do if you know, you you're announcing uh, maybe Damian Donson's non guaranteed deal. So they would come pretty close. And if you're allowed to keep Lance Thomas while getting Kevin Durant, that actually could end up being a low key big deal for them. So I, I like the trade as you have it constructed. J.R. Smith for Tim Hardaway Jr. I, I do think that one makes sense. Um, like we've both said now at this point, that the Cavs might push back more on that than the Knicks. And Listen, Tim Hardaway Jr. is what Rodney Hood was supposed to be. <laughs> uh, he's been really good this year. I uh, You told me that my, <laughs> my tweet about him yesterday made you uncomfortable. He's having arguably... And this is, we're what, like seven or eight games into the season. Um, but he's posting offensive numbers that his dad never even posted. It was a really, really good player, as as all of you listeners know. Um, so you're predicting his jersey gets retired by the Knicks, is basically what you're saying. It should be retired by the Knicks, uh, the Hawks, the Cavs. <laughs> but if they can't get to two max slots, I was just as we were talking, I was starting to think, well, maybe he is an interesting number two option in New York next to Kevin Durant. He has a lot of names. Um, bite your tongue. What's that? Christoph Porzingis <laughs> is the number two option next to oh, Kevin Durant. Geez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a major oversight by me. Um, then he, he's even more interesting as a number three option. Um, if he's <laughs> If he has all of the defensive attention on Kevin Durant and Christoph Porzingis and, and he's you know, just a really good catch and shoot guy who can put the ball on the floor if, if he gets a hard closeout. Um, that's suddenly kind of an interesting top three to me. Uh, you know, obviously it's not as exciting as 
you know, two months ago when we were talking about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, maybe being on the Knicks together. Uh, but that's that's still something that I think could be intriguing, especially if he goes the whole season averaging 26, 27 points a game. Maybe that's something that Kevin Durant looks at and thinks, hmm, there is there is something interesting here. Uh, and what if Chris Depp's Porzingis comes back for the last month and looks like himself and he's averaging 24, 25 points and two and a half, three blocks? Um, so I, long story short, I think I could get behind this deal, whether it was Tim Hardaway Jr. or Courtney Lee. I think you could talk yourself, or I, at least I can talk myself, into either one of those um, configurations. The next deal I have is, is a, a Bradley Beal deal. Uh, Hornets get Bradley Beal and Thomas Sadoransky. The Wizards get Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, and then a 2019 second uh, via OKC. Or if I, I guess they could demand a first in this deal. I don't know if the Wizards give it up. It depends on how high they are, Bradley Beal. But if uh, not the if the Hornets, how high they are, on Bradley Beal. But if you're Charlotte and you really you, you're just dead set on re-signing Kemba Walker and you want to remain relevant. Uh, it's hyper interesting to sort of have Kemba Walker, Bradley Beal, Nicholas Batum, Miles Bridges uh, on that roster. For the Wizards, Michael K. Gilchrist is playing really well this year. The Hornets have even used him as a small ball five at times. Looks more comfortable defending power forwards, which is where he spent a bulk of his minutes. Still a good screener um, and cutter. They've used him as a role man a little bit in Charlotte too. Uh, J- James Barango really deserves... I first of all, I before the season, I said the Hornets were going to struggle to play small because they had all these bigs, and James Brago just doesn't care. I mean, Marvin Williams has played center, and he's made it work. Uh, Jeremy Lamb's expiring, but he gives you sort of another scorer, and then Malik Monk, uh, younger, cheaper, hopefully gives you another scorer if he pans out. It's been a rocky start for him. I don't know if that gets it done for Washington, and then for. For Charlotte, the issue is they're then taking on $4.7 million in salary, which is most definitely going to put them in luxury tax territory, which is, I'm looking now at where I have them. They might be there. No, they're they're like $3 million below the tax. So they might have to do other stuff where they're shedding salary, or maybe they can include um, just another player in this deal. I don't, you know, if they were willing to give up Willie Hernan Gomez, maybe that actually sweetens it somehow for Washington. Um, while keeping them under their tax, so who knows there. This I was on the fence about, but Bradley Beal in Charlotte is super interesting to me. I think this is a borderline no-brainer for the Wizards just because of the... Wow! <laughs> I I'm just... just a little surprised that you said no-brainer because Bradley Beal's really good. He's really... So here's what I was going to say. It's a borderline no-brainer because of the savings. Um, Michael Gidgirl, Chris, probably opts in to next year, but there's a chance he doesn't. Jeremy Lamb's expiring. Malik Monk's on a rookie contract. Uh, all in all, it's it's big, big savings over what Bradley Beal has left. Um, and I want to – do you have that in front of you? What's this, Bradley Beal's remaining yeah, salary? Yeah, on his contract. So he's got – Yeah, he has – after this season – 2021 okay. for well over $25 million a year. Um, yeah, he's got two years and $55.8 million. million left on his deal after this one. So that's (laughs) massive savings. Now, the reason they could or, or, you know, there's a decent chance they would say no to something like this is out of those three guys, John Wall, Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, 
the one I would want most is Bradley Beal. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's how the Wizards feel, but that's uh, to me, he's the he's the best player out of that trio, um, and the one that's that has, I think, the highest ceiling over the next two or three years. Um, and interestingly enough, Otto Porter might be number two to me. Um, it's so. I guess the thing with them is they kind of have to reconcile. If I'm them, I want to keep Bradley Beal more than the other three. And John Wall might, if you're starting a team from scratch right now, I, I, I mean, you know, we could talk about his age just the relative to the future, but he's going to probably have a more profound pe- effect on the offense on his own than Bradley Beal. At the same time, I think Bradley Beal, you just want to keep him because his, his deal more closely aligns with his value. At the same time, I believe he's probably the only one of the three that can get them a deal like this. Like with Otto Porter, yeah. I don't think you can change him out for this collection of, of assets to make yourself right. deeper. Um, and I, and I think it's, I think it's good for the Hornets too. And I think you already laid it out. Beal and Kemp together would be super interesting. And I, I just want anybody to free Thomas Sadoransky. He was, he was so good for the Wizards last year. And when they signed Ty Lawson, to take his playoff minutes. I just thought that this is a team that does not know what it's doing. Um, Sadoransky is, he's, he's like the perfect combo guard for today's NBA. He's big, he's athletic, he can shoot, um, guards a bunch of different positions. And they, they gave his minutes to a five, nine guy who hasn't been in the NBA for a couple years. It just didn't make any sense to me. And now, like you said, they're giving his minutes to Austin Rivers, who uh, I think it's almost become cliche at this point where people say we have to give Austin Rivers credit for becoming a decent player. And, and we do. But he's still. Do you want to resign him? I don't, maybe he's going to he'll probably be. Well, he won't probably. He's not getting. What is he making this year? Twelve million dollars. He's not getting that on the twelve point no. seven. He's not getting that in the open market this year. No. Um, but I think he would make a ton of sense on the Hornets, especially if they suddenly don't have Malik Monk and Jeremy Lamb. Um, he can play backup one, two, or three. They suddenly have a very, very interesting guard slash wing rotation with uh, Beal, Sadoransky, Kemba. You mentioned Miles Bridges. He's more of a three-four guy. Um, but yeah, this another one that I think makes sense for for both sides. Um, again, I think maybe the biggest pushback on this one is out of the Wizards' disgruntled core. I think if I had to pick one guy to build around, it's Bradley Beal. But you made a great point that if they want to get a good trade package, he's also probably the one who's most likely to bring, bring a lot back. Um, and yeah, for this, just because of, as you were pointing out with Beal's salary and with Kemba, if you're Charlotte, you have to get, um, you have to stay under the tax at this. And I think you have to shed another between 1.3 and 1.5 after this deal. And maybe it's, and it's maybe the, you know, maybe it's Willie Hernan Gomez who's been okay this year in the time that he's played that really gets you there. I would imagine a team would take him on, maybe even the Wizards. Um, I, there's there might be permutations of this deal, and uh, where th- if the Wizards really wanted to, they could take on Cody Zeller and give out um, Austin Rivers or just something if they're really high on Zeller. But with Jan Mahimi on the books, it's weird. But there there are a bunch of different scenarios you could do. I, I just think. Bradley Beal on Charlotte would be in that fact. I actually thought you were going to vomit at this package because I'm not necessarily in love with it, but the fact that you didn't makes me feel pretty good. And I, MKG could really help the Wizards just defensively from an effort standpoint. And he's a nice hedge if, all right, you've lost Bradley Beal now, and so you have to hope Malik Monk turns into something, or maybe that 
both, if not one, of Jeremy Land and Austin Rivers come super cheap next year. Uh, but he's a nice hedge against Markeith Morris leaving this summer, depending on on cost. Because as you said, he probably opts in. What if they just did both of these Wizards deals that you've laid out? Because I'm looking over them now, and there's no overlap in terms of players. That would be hilarious. So, you would, tra- so the Wizards would end up with they would end up with MKG, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, and then <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Um, and who else was a part of that other? Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones. Justin Patton. Justin Patton. Let's do it. Um, and they. Hey, I mean, that would be. <laughs> I don't even know how I would feel about that. I mean, they need a drastic overhaul. They would have um, way too many ball ball dominant players, though, because well, I'll even call Michael Kikilchrist an off ball player because of what he could do as a screener, roller, and cutter. But between Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk, Jimmy Butler, even Tyus Jones, a little bit, I'm here for it, but. <laughs> Um, the next one I have, the Wizards are, this might be the last one I have the Wizards in. So Washington fans, if any Washington fans listen to this, I'm not, we'll be done after this, but the Blazers get Otto Porter, Thomas Bryant, and the Wizards get Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, Anthony Simmons, and a lotto protected 2019 first. Um, my justification for this is the Wizards are shedding Four point two million dollars in salary as part of this deal, in addition to obviously the long term commitment to Otto Porter, and so now all of a sudden you're you're at this point where you have under a hundred and twenty seven million dollars on your payroll, which leaves you one Jason Smith salary dump away <laughs> from really ducking the tax, uh, which is I think interesting as John Wall's extension kicks in next year to be able to evade the tax for one more season. Mo Harkless, uh, he can give you something defensively, um, might even match up against the bigger fours or the bigger wings than than Otto Porter does. He's cheap as well and has one year left on his deal after this one at $11.5 million. I know Myers Leonard has two years left, but you are, well, one year after this one, but you're getting off of Otto Porter's contract. And so, you're paying less for these two players than you will be for Otto Porter next year. And you're getting Anthony Simmons, who I I think is going to be an interesting player. And I'm not sure if you were the one who might have convinced me um, on him or sold me on him on a previous pod. And then probably a first-round pick. Maybe you even get the I, – I, it depends on how you view the, the Otto Porter contract. And I really like him. Um, on the Blazers and Portland's playing really well right now but it seems like this would be the type of deal that could elevate their ceiling and is almost a risk that you have to take um, that being said Otto Porter is owed more than Bradley Beal over the next two years it's very close or about the same two years and 55.8 million dollars but they're already in in luxury tax hell so I would for the Blazers I would consider it Maybe this isn't the type of return Washington's looking for because they're very clearly just trying to get off Otto Porter's money. Yeah, this one makes sense from that lens, like through that lens, getting out of Otto Porter's contracts. And, you know, don't misunderstand me. I don't think Mo Harkless is as good as Otto Porter, but he can do a lot of similar things. Um, A big guy who plays, or a bigger guy who plays, you know, three and four, can shoot a little bit, can defend multiple positions. Um, and I, I do think Anthony Simons is pretty 
interesting as well. I, I don't know how long it'll take him to adjust to the NBA game, but he's he's got decent size for a point guard prospect, um, another guy who can guard multiple positions. I, I think the Wizards get an interesting... Uh, Shout out to me for calling him Simmons. <laughs> I didn't want to co- correct you uh, mid-sentence. Um, but yeah, this one makes sense to me too. I almost feel bad that I'm agreeing with everything. I feel like... Uh, I feel like there should be a little bit more contention on this podcast, but I'm not going to fake it. You're doing really, really well here. I, I mean, the the primary issue is, is I don't know, like what type. It it all depends on how Otto Porter. I don't mind Otto Porter's contract just because he seems very plug and play to me. And if the Wizards, which they should, just for posterity's sake, sort of assume the same stance, uh, you know, this deal really doesn't get them much in that vein. Uh, there, they could. There's. There are, and I came up with this. I was just hesitant because I don't think Portland would do it, at least necessarily while giving up a first round pick. But the Wizards can get under the tax in this deal by getting rid of uh, Jason Smith. I just don't know if Portland wants to take on that much salary. And that, you know, they're, they're going to be in the luxury tax anyway, but are they just going to be, well, we're already there. So let's just, if this is going to help, let's just do it. But they can work something out. Um, I deleted the scenario, but I had them getting Jason Smith and the Wizards either getting below the tax or, or they were right there and would have been easy to duck it. Um, it would be the Wizards could get out of the tax. What's that? <laughs> I said it would be huge for the Wizards if they could get out of the tax. Um, I lied. Actually, since we only – I have a bunch, but we only have time for who knows how many more. I'm going to let you pick if if there's – any deals that you like here that you want to talk about? I actually did lie. There's another Jimmy Butler scenario on here that I'm not sure. I don't know. I wasn't drinking last night, but I'm looking at it now and I like it, but I'm like, Hmm. Let's do uh let's do Pelicans get Kyle Corver for Wesley Johnson and a 2019 second round pick. So the Cavs get Johnson in a second round pick. The my, my thought process here and is Corver out of Cleveland. But yeah, and I think a lot of teams probably don't want to give up anything for Corver because he's he's a buyout candidate at this point. Um New Orleans might also have pause because he he is he does have a partial guarantee. On next year's deal, he's owed seven point nine million, but three point only three point four of it's guaranteed. Here's my thought process: is that just to put another shooter on the Pelicans? Wesley Johnson's going to be better defensively, but he's not. You're not playing him heavy minutes to begin with, and just to have that other shooter kind of pinging around Anthony Davis, uh, and Drew Holiday, and Etwan Moore, even and Julius Randle and Miritich would just be scary to me. Uh, and I believe that you could find a team to take on Kyle Korver's salary over the summer. With all the cap space that's going to be out there, someone will want a guy who's basically guaranteed to shoot 37% from three in his worst season. Yeah. And if you're the Cavs, you get a second. And you're saving money too, because now you don't have to, If unless Kyle Korver is going to give basically all that money back that he's guaranteed next year, you don't have to pay his partial guarantee. You're saving a little bit of money this season, and you get a second-round pick. Yeah, I like it. Uh, there's another Kyle Corver one here. Corver for Jared Bayless um, to the Sixers. And the the Cavs also get a 2019 second. Um, 
this is an interesting position for the Cavs to be in where they they don't need Cal Korver. So I think it's uh, it's worth exploring trade packages like these that you've got laid out here where they take back maybe not a, a not so savory contract, although Bayless is is expiring, it looks like. Um, so that makes this even more appealing to the Cavs. And for the 76ers, um, another shooter around Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid, I think, would, would really help them too. They appear to be missing um, some of that pop off the bench that Marco Bellinelli gave them. And I think Kyle Korver can do a lot of similar things in terms of moving around off the ball. Great catch and shoot guy. Um, I think they're probably still hoping Wilson Chandler replicates some of that. Um, but he's more of a three, four type. And I, I, he's certainly not the shooter that Kyle Korver is. So I think that would be an interesting one too. The, uh, I have another Kyle Korver one, and this seems like kind of a, maybe a lateral move for the thunder, but, uh, TLC and Alex Abrinas for Kyle Korver. My justification really was you've already declined the option on TLC, not a part of your future. If you're Oklahoma city and Alex Abrinas is shooting under 30% from three or right around 30% from three this year. He's up to like 37 after last night though. Okay. I didn't look at that this morning. That's probably, that might feel too lateral for them, especially when they're taking on a little bit of salary. It's it's close to dead even in this deal. But if you can get one of the best shooters, because the Thunder are terrible at shooting the ball. They have the league's (laughs) worst effective field goal percentage right now. If you can get one of the best shooters in NBA history, um, why not? I'm just yeah. hashtag why not for the justification. And yes, he's a buyout candidate. I don't know if he's if they're a team that he would consider after he gets bought out, though. And I would think the Sixers fans, and I don't they might give more pushback on the deal by saying, Well, why would we give up a second when Kyle Corver might just sign with us if he gets bought out? And that's true. Uh I don't think the Thunder are necessarily in that position. All right, you have three more here, and I feel like we can if we go real quick, we can get through all of them. And maybe if we don't if we don't give them the discussion that they deserve, maybe uh, the listeners can hit us up on Twitter and we can talk to them about it there. Um, I have a Lakers one that is a little off the rails. Let's do it. The Lakers get Nikola, uh, Nikola Vucevic. The Who, Magic get... Before yesterday was like third in the NBA in box plus minus or something crazy like you're that. just making this deal sound awful then. Uh, <laughs> this is going to happen after December 14th because... Uh, Vucevic is expiring and the Lakers I have them giving up two expiring deals uh, Lance Stevenson and Michael Beasley and a 2019 first round pick top 20 protected turns into two seconds if it does not convey and if you're the Lakers this gets done in a heartbeat to me you just you do it you don't need despite what LeBron has said about Lance Stevenson you're not playing Michael Beasley and you don't need Stevenson if you like Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart and Rajon Rondo you just don't need them and yes giving up your first round pick for an expiring contract that seems a little impulsive my thinking there would be if it's top 20 protected and you're conveying it you've overachieved because now all of a sudden you have this top 10 record basically and if it doesn't then you're giving up two seconds which would happen in 2020 I think um, and 2021 because their 2019 pick is owed to Sacramento or Atlanta. I would still do it. It's you know, Vucevic can actually help you. I know JaVale McGee has been balling. And I actually just wrote about him uh, for a piece that's going live soon. 
he's just, I don't, you don't want him to be your center lifeline for the entire season. Yeah. McGee's been amazing. Um, Oh, and if you're the magic, Vucevic is leaving after this summer. And even if you just get two seconds for him, you're saving money because Beasley and Stevenson combined for less. I think it's like 8.4 million. And this trade does work financially because of the, both teams are under the tax. So you can take back 5 million uh, more than the outgoing salary. So it matches up. And Beasley and Stevenson instantly become buyout candidates, so there's a potential to save even more. And if you're going to get two seconds for a player that's going to leave anyway, I especially someone who plays center and isn't really a contemporary center, not the best defender, um, has pick-and-pop potential. But again, this isn't someone that I think you're going to get a ton for on the trade market. Then to me, if you're looking at the worst-case scenario is we save money this year and get two seconds, then hashtag why not. Yeah, um, if you could if you could keep JaVale McGee at like just over twenty minutes, I think you maximize um, what he does, and I think he could still produce at a super high level. And that the rest of your minutes are played by Nikola Vucevic instead of what have they been doing, like Kyle Kuzma at the five um, for parts of this year. And yep. um, I tweeted something about the on-off splits with McGee the other day, and a, a Lakers writer, Ben Rosales, said something like, get better soon, Mo, and talking about Mo Wagner. Um, if if you have a chance to upgrade your backup center or, or your center minutes in general from a rookie Mo Wagner to Nikola Vucevic, I mean, that's a no-brainer for the Lakers. And he, he's been amazing <clears throat> at the start of this year. I think a lot of NBA coaches over the last couple seasons – have seen how valuable it can be to have playmaking from the center position. And they're starting to allow centers uh, to be offensive hubs. Like DeAndre Jordan had nine assists the other night for the Mavericks. Um, Nikola Vucevic is averaging over four assists, 4.3. Um, and I, I think if you just add, instead of having a guy who's purely a, a receiver at that position, uh, to have another person who moves the ball makes you that much more difficult to defend. Um, and so with him on the Lakers, you could have lineups with tons of ball movers like Lonzo ball, uh, LeBron James, Nikola Vucevic. Um, that deal makes a ton of sense to the Lakers or for the Lakers to me. And like you said, I, I don't think Orlando plans on moving forward with Vucevic anyway. They've got Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon. That seems like that's sort of their front court of the future. If you can save some money now and get some assets for a guy who's going to leave anyway, it, it, that, that makes all the sense in the world to me. I'm going to let you dictate uh, these two. I'm not even going to explain them. Uh, <laughs> there are Jimmy Butler and an Otto Porter trade. Who do you prefer? All right, let's do. right, we'll save Jimmy for last. Clippers get Otto Porter and Jason Smith. Wizards get Daniil Gallinari and Lou Williams. The quick – just the synopsis of it is the Clippers actually shave $1.3 million off their cap for next summer, which is not nothing as you sort of you try to, as you continue to try and carve out your two max slots. And then if you're the Wizards, you save $2 million this year. Gallo's cheaper than Otto Porter next year, and then he comes off the books, gives you another shot creator, and is someone who's probably better suited to lead units that don't have Beal or Wall. And so is Lou Williams, who is hyper affordable. Um, at, at his price point. And then if the, if the Clippers are amenable, 
Um, the, the Wiz could include Thomas Sedaransky and, and shed $5 million in, in total salary, which would bring them, again, super close to ducking the luxury tax this year. How much uh, – this one's interesting to me. I uh, This is the first one I don't really know how I feel. I think how, the Clippers would say no because of Otto Porter's bloated salary being a year longer than Daniel Gallinari. At the same time, he just seems like too. someone stars would want – to play with who aren't John Wall. <laughs> um, that's kind of where I'm leaning too. Although Lou Williams is a guy who I think other players like a lot too. Second best uh, offensive player in the NBA, right? <laughs> yeah. According to somebody who responded to me yesterday, this, this, I think I'm with you. I think I would lean towards Clippers saying, no, I don't think it's an, I don't think that it's an obvious no, but I, it, where both of these teams are, I think I would probably rather have Gallinari and Lou Williams if I'm the Clippers. I, I think I kind of agree with you. I just thought it would be if you're trying to get like a you know Kawhi Leonard and Otto Porter together. Just Otto Porter's plug and play, and I think he'd again. I think he'd be someone stars want to play with. But may, but maybe um, what's happening, but what's happening in Washington is proof that that's not true. Yeah, um, I think he's the kind of player whose value is more appreciated by people who, who like dig deep into the numbers then just not uh, season's numbers. <laughs> yeah. At least not yet. There's plenty of time for him to turn things around. But um, to me, players, <laughs> players tend to analyze the NBA in a way similar to some of my uh, Twitter mentions, uh, unfortunately. Um, and the 11th and final trade, I agree with you. I think it would be the Clippers that would say no. And our 11th and final trade, and we're getting through these in under an hour, which is just impressive for us, and also you're welcome, everybody. Uh, here goes. The Bucks get Jimmy Butler, Gorgie Jang, Tyus Jones. The Timberwolves get Eric Bledsoe, Tony Snell, Matthew Delavadova, Thon Maker. The only thing I'm going to say here in under 15 seconds, if you're the Timberwolves, you're getting rid of Jang. Uh, Thibodeau likes to play two point cards at once and to have Bledsoe with Rose and Tyus Jones, or not Tyus Jones, um, Jeff Teague might be something he's interested in. Probably hates Tony Snell, but a, kind of a plug-and-play wing. You have Matthew Delvadova, too, who comes off a year earlier than Jang and is cheaper. The Bucks. would you rather go into the tax next year to keep Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe or keep Jimmy Butler and, and Chris Middleton? Run that last piece by me again. If you're the Bucks, would you rather go into the tax, deep into the tax, to keep Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton, or keep Chris Middleton and Jimmy Butler? Yeah, um, the latter. And <laughs> if you had Middleton, Butler, and Giannis, I mean that's that's like a dream scenario for the modern NBA. And Brogdon at the one. Two. The Jang deal gives me pause for them. And yeah. I'm not sure if I'm obliterating their point guard depth because both Jones and Brogdon are going to be free agents, but you can have Butler and Middleton all, and Giannis all run point. Yeah. I was going to say all three of those wings I would trust to run the offense. And if you're getting rid of Della Vadova's deal, maybe that extra year of Jang doesn't really bother you too much, especially Henson will be off the books by then. Um and Jay hasn't been bad this year in the, in the limited minutes that he's gotten. I don't think he's necessarily a a plus player, but he can come in and he's going to block some shots. He's going to get some rebounds. He's a little bit more, uh, particularly on the defensive end for his rebounding, and he's more mobile defensively 
and I think he gets credit for it. I'm not. I'm not trying again. I'm not trying to spin his deals a plus, but this was just if the Bucks went nuclear after, especially after their loss to the Celtics on Thursday, and we're like, we gotta, we gotta go for this. Jimmy Butler, Giannis, and Chris Middleton's a, a hell of a trio. I'm gonna keep with the theme of this podcast and just say go for it. I, I like this one too, and I think your final justification is is probably the best point that. <laughs> If you're going into the tax anyway, you'd probably rather do it for Middleton and Butler than Middleton and Bledsoe. Um, and, and like we've both said at this point, that combination of wings who can also run an offense, um, that's that's super, super interesting to me. Um, I feel like we've hit them all pretty sufficiently. This, I, this is one of your best... Uh, We'll have to see if this podcast does well. We've never really done just all trades, and if it does well, maybe we can something that's done cyclically. Not too often, but cool. um, these things are constantly floating about in my head. And, and people love trades. Uh, they love freaking out. About, yeah, so they love to get mad at trades. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if, if nothing else, maybe this will get us uh, some more engagement. Um, we do appreciate those of you who do listen and engage already. Um, as as always, it's kind of surreal that people listen to our show, and we are very, very appreciative of that. If you do want to freak out about these trades, feel free to do so on Twitter, and feel free to add us. Um, Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. As always, uh, if you have not yet reviewed the show or rated the show on Apple Podcasts, uh, be sure to do that. Um, be sure to subscribe there. Be sure to listen on Spotify. If you don't have Apple Podcasts, you can you can tell any of your friends and family where to listen to us. Um, Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, all these different, uh, Stitcher, all these different options. Um, there's no excuse not to listen to Hardwood Knox at this point. So share it with friends and family. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Benno Udri and to defensive ace Kyle Anderson. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.